Well, good morning, good morning, City Church. Good morning, City Church. I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, we have a faith confession that we make, and so if you would, uh, grab your electronic device or your Bible, if you got your paper Bible. Uh, if you have uh, a, a different kind of device other than Apple, please don't have it turned on. Glory to God. All right? And hold it up real high and repeat after me and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I'm a believer, not a doubter. I am a doer, not just a hearer. And my life is the better after having heard the word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right now, at this moment, I am alert and will not go to sleep. Today, I will be taught the word of God, and I will love people, love God, serve my community, and serve the world. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you would, please go with me in your Bibles to James, the first chapter, James, the first chapter. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm glad to be here. I think that your pastor is an incredible man of God. I think that this guy is really one of the the best, and I could say uh, best kept secrets, but the enemy knows that he's out there. And, uh, and his wife, I love Wendy, I'm telling you, especially because Wendy is going to tell it like a T.I. is, you understand? And uh, your name does not matter. I love it. I love it because where I'm from, uh, you know, people tell you just what you need to hear. Amen. And, uh, and it's incredible that we get a chance to even stand in his stead because uh, I talk to him often. I talk to him regularly. Uh, uh, I, there's nobody that I know that you can stand around and get more nuggets than when he stands and preaches. I mean, you stand next to Ray Harmon, he could, you could say, you know, uh, flowers, and he'll go, you know, the Word of God says in so-and-so. <laughs> and I'll go, how do you know that, you know? <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a student of the Word of God. His acumen is uh, prevailing, and I love that about him. Uh, but I also love that he cares. Ray really, really cares. Uh, Pastor Ray really, really cares, and they are uh, great people. Can we just do one more time? Let's thank God for Pastor Ray and Wendy, and uh, I'm telling you, I'm glad to be here. I also want to thank God for just you, you being here today. Uh, many times when our pastors are going through the things, especially at the, at the weight and the level of what he is facing now, uh, if you have not, you do not understand, and, uh, and I dare not because I don't understand. But what I do know is that whenever something major or traumatic happens in the life, especially in the life of a leader, uh, that's the time to rally around. That's not the time to stand aside. That's not the time to, uh, to go home. That's not the time to find find out that, you know, Pastor Derek is coming, so Pastor Ray's not going to be here. I'm going to go somewhere else. This is the time where you go, hey, Pastor, we're going to intercede. We're going to, inter we're going to go into the throne room of God, and we're going to pray around you. That's the reason why people need prayer when you see them in the hospital, because in that weakened state, uh, they need that assistance. And so uh, I'm really glad that City Church, you guys are here today in his stead and really celebrating and giving God praise. Can you give your neighbor a round of applause for being here next to you this morning, okay? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I love it, I love it. I'm a, I'm a little uh, excited. Uh, I'm going to really have conversations with your pastor, by the way, after we've given him all those honors, and I'm probably going to try to choke him out like uh, MMA because that was a terrible picture he chose of me. <laughs> 
<laughs> but today our lesson uh, is going to come out of a couple of passages of Scripture. You can put your ribbon stilicus in Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Uh, this is the Greek word for stilicus right here, this thing in your Bible, uh, for Hebrews 6 and 10. But let's read James, the first chapter, in verse 22. Okay, James, the first chapter, and verse 22. It says, and we'll read together on the count of three, everybody. One, two, and three. Read, it says. Okay, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Everybody clap one time. Clap. Everybody clap one time. See, some of y'all was clapping, all right? Let's try it again. We're going to read out loud on the count of three. Read out loud. Y'all remember school? Okay, it's going to work today. Why? Because the Word of God is alive, and as we read it, it becomes more alive to us, all right? So let's breathe this out, the Ruach of God right now. One, two, and three, it says. Uh-huh. Be what, y'all? Good. Doers of the Word and. Because if you're here, it's only your what? You're deceiving your own self. So I don't know why you came today. I know somebody may have promised you lunch, and uh, and you're you're going to have good lunch on today. I I don't know that uh, maybe some uh, young person came today or an older person at that. You saw a pretty girl and said, "I'm going back to that church." I think the spirit of the Lord is there, and so you came back for that reason. I don't I don't know. Maybe some of y'all are here because your mama said, "If you don't come here today, you're gonna have to get out." And you came to church and you worship God like you never did before. I don't know why you came. Some of you may have come and said, listen, today I'm going to give it one last shot. I'm going to give it one more chance uh, because I'm telling you, uh, it looks like tough things are all around and overcoming them is becoming even more tough. And so I don't know why you came. None of us know why anybody came today. Uh, but we do know this, that when you're in the fellowship of like-minded believers, the power of God is present. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there he is also in the midst. And so therefore, if we who are believers would make sure that our God is on display in our lives on today, right here in the moment, it may not be the word that I speak. It may not be a song that was sung. It may be the way that you're living and participating in the word of God, sitting in your chair, that will change their lives forever. So if you're excited to be here this morning, give God praise for just being here. Amen? Because whatever the reason for your being here, I'm glad that you did come. Uh, I, I want to talk, uh, Pastor Ray brought it up, and so I'll talk about it, all right? Uh, in 1987, I received a scholarship to go to college. And, uh, and I received a scholarship to go to college. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I didn't receive the scholarship to go to college because I was such a great football player. I received a scholarship because I went to class and did all my homework. Uh, because if y'all don't know, back in the 80s, they were just trying to have higher graduation rates at colleges because athletes were going to school and not graduating. And so with a low graduation rate, they can't charge you high tuition. And so I made sure that your children had to pay high tuition. They brought me to school, so... <laughs> <laughs> I graduated and I made sure I enjoyed myself. But now listen, while I was playing football, there was a, there was a time where uh, during this season, 87 through 91 is when I played, and, uh, and I didn't know what was going on at the time. I, I, really, I really didn't. I promise you, I didn't know what was happening at the time uh, because uh, I, I, was, I was there in Miami, Florida having a good time. I was in Miami, have, I mean, Miami had me, actually. Uh, I was there, but Miami had the most part. And I really, I, I, didn't, I did not, like, you know, miss anything. Uh, I basically went to school, and I, and I basically made sure that I partied, and, uh, and I, I took off on 
Tuesday, I think. Was it Tuesday we took off? Yeah, Tuesday we took off because Monday night was uh, skipping night. Uh, Wednesday night was latest night. Thursday night was Greek night. Friday night was the regular night. Saturday night was, if I can remember, Saturday night. Y'all don't need to know what Saturday night was in Jesus' name. Uh, and Sunday night was the night you could wear shorts to the club. And then Monday was skipping night. And Yeah, yeah, so I took off on, I took off on Tuesday. So here I was, I was in school, and I was partying, I was going to class, I was having fun, but there was something going on that I actually, I was a part of, but I didn't recognize what was happening while it was happening. See, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize that I was in a history-making moment while it was happening. This was a history-making moment. Things were happening that were so pervasive, that was so grandiose, that was so big, and it was happening, and I was in it, but missing it. There, there's, there's no place that you can go that you can say, hey, I, I played five years of college football, and we only lost five games in five years. There's not very many places you can go, uh, except for the modern era, that where you can say, listen, in five years we won three national championships. There's no, not many places where you can go and say, listen, every year we had a first-round jab choice come out of our school. Every year we were up for the husband. Every, every single year something amazing was happening while I was playing football, and I was missing the moment. History-making moment. Things were happening. I was in the middle of the grind. It seemed like it was hard having to practice every day, going and traveling, trying to get schoolwork done. It was a history-making moment, but I was more in the complaint zone than I was in the appreciation zone. I was spending more time talking about all this we got to do and this messing up my, my part in time versus appreciating what was being built on the inside of me and all of the things that we were doing. How is it that I was on the same team that other people were enjoying the moment, but I was missing the moment? It was, it was incredible. Anybody else in here, you, you, you're, you're thinking the same thing. You're going, sometimes I can get caught up in the complaint department Versus the compliment department. <laughs> so sometimes I'm missing the moment. There are things that are happening in my life and, I, and they're going on. And you don't know. It could be a history-making moment happening right in front of you. And you're in it, but you're missing it. And the only way that you're going to get out of it is if you come to a revelation. Everybody say Revelation. A revelation, you have an understanding that, hey, I've got, to, I've got to do something different than what I've been doing before. Would you nudge your neighbor and say, do something? Tell them, do something, do something, do something. Nudge your other neighbor because that one whispered to you. Tell them, do something. Say, do something, do something. So one day I was on my Instagram, and I, I decided to make a post, and I was posting this. And, and uh, when, I, when I sent the post out, uh, it, well, I was about to send the post out, and it looked like it was going to be something good. And then I realized, well, huh, no, 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 we live differently now. Instead of getting a, ooh, that's a nice post, why don't we do something that's going to cause people to take action? And so today, I'm, you're my IG post. Uh, I'm going to give you a lesson today that's going to cause you to 
do something. It's a, it's a motivation lesson, uh, but it's not a motivational speech. It is to get you to understand that if I'm going to do something in the planet, I've got to do it now. So everybody say, do something. Everybody say, do something. Do something. Uh, I, I get it that you see that there, there may be folks in here, you're dreaming and you're hoping, you got great ideas, you want to see something different. I, I know the deal. I, I know the feeling that you're in. Listen, for 11 years, uh, 11, was it 11? It might have been 12, but 11 years for sure, we set up and broke down an entire gym from the floor to the ceiling from the back to the front, and we did it 11 years. I'm telling you, we went from an elementary school, moved to a middle school, and from the middle school, we spent the rest of those nine years setting up and breaking down, putting up lights and running cores and getting here early and making sure that we tape up the drum shield and make sure that the cover was there and finding out why the microphone went out and what happened with all the lights and why is the screen not where it's supposed to be. And things change from week to week, and you're going, my, we just set this up last week. What's going on? I'm telling you, it is the fact that you were in a history-making moment and you were sowing seeds. You were the first fruit of what God was going to do. And now we get to celebrate the fact that we got land when we said we couldn't buy land. We got a building when they said we couldn't get a building. And God is adding every single day. Why? Because we understood that we were in a history-making moment. It may be a grind, but God is going to work through those that are willing to do something. Would you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to do something. Tell them. You got to do something. You don't know what this is going to look like in five years. You don't know what this is going to look like in another year, but it's going to be something incredible. But it will not happen if you keep chilling. You got to do something. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you got to do something. Tell them. You see, you see if, you're, if you aren't doing something in the direction of your faith, if you're not doing something in the direction of what you say you believe, you might be lying. I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. But this cake I'm going to take down today. <laughs> you might be lying. <laughs> Woo, I'm, a, I'm telling you, I'm going I'm to I'm exercise. I'm going to exercise. But I tell you what. I tell you what, I'm going to get on a treadmill and I'm going to go at least two-tenths. I'm going to let you all get that two-tenths. 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 Not two miles, two-tenths. <laughs> uh, you, you, you're, you're wanting, listen, I'm, I'm going to get my doctorate, but you haven't enrolled in school yet. <laughs> I'm going to go get my I'm going to go get my hair done but listen you you haven't bought your weave yet. You know that's how to get the hair done, right? Go buy the weave first, you know. There, there are a lot of things that we're saying that we want to do. I, I, I want to have a better career. I want to make sure that my company uh, is, gets off the ground. But listen, your company is not going to get off the ground if nobody knows you have a company at all. And if you haven't filed a paperwork in order to make sure that you have a company, you're not really a company. You're somebody that's operating out of the backseat of your car. And that's old. If you're going to do anything significant in life, you're going to have to do something now. Stop letting your ideas lay at the door of your career. What does that mean? That means that I have to know what is the thing that God has put me on the planet to do because to know and to not do We'll find out later what that is. God has gifted and uniquely uh, applied in your life, everybody in here, a unique set of skills, and you have to use those skills. But you can't, in your comfort zone, say, I'll do it tomorrow. You've got to do something, and you have to do it today. Somebody shout, do something. 
Do something, do something, because when we conquer this, this moment, this moment, I was in this moment, I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to do something because here I was, I was, I was coming out of college, I had, had a child out of wedlock, and, uh, and I found out later that I didn't just have a child out of wedlock, you know, that was surprising to me. I had another child out of wedlock, but I didn't know that child, that child came into my life, and he was 25 years old. Uh, when my wife told our church, she said, guys, if he was five years old, it'd be a problem, uh, uh, but since he's 25, <laughs> now listen, y'all ain't saying nothing about the Lord, but there y'all laughed at my whole, my anguish. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but I'm telling you that, that I came out of school and, and I realized, man, I had to do something. I couldn't keep living the way that I was living because it was not going to produce in my life. And then there would be moments that I would miss that I was not going to miss. I chose I was just not going to miss these moments. And so I want you to know that there are days and there are times where you can, you can decide to shrink back and just lay in the cut, or you can decide that every single day you're going to get up and do something in the direction of that uh, or the direction that your faith is going in, all right? So everybody say, do something. Say it again. Say, do something. To be an impact in someone else's life, you're going to have to do what? Do something. If you're going to do something in your own life and be impactful, you're going to have to do something. If you're going to do anything, if you're going to be anybody, you're going, I'm driving something home, obviously. You're going to have to what, y'all? Do something, right? And so, listen, if you don't want to miss your moment, whatever your moment is, if you don't want to miss your moment, you're going to have to what, y'all? Do something, all right? Now, let's take a look and see what the scripture says about it because we all seem to have an understanding of what missing a moment is. We all have the understanding of we've got to do something. That's that's easy stuff. But let's see what the scripture says. In John, the third chapter, verse 16, you know it. Everybody, let's read it out together on the count of three. One, two, and three, it says what? Yes? Uh Uh-huh. What, y'all? But... For God so loved the world that he gave, it looks here that God demonstrates doing. God demonstrates doing. This doing that he did, he did for all mankind by giving his son. God gave. He did something. Now, to give means this. Get this. To give means to adventure, to journey, to bring forth, to commit, to deliver up, to grant, to minister, to offer, have power, to So in other words, the scripture says that for God so loved the world that he put his only begotten son, that he delivered, that he committed his only begotten son. He did this so so we can't just be a church of going. We got to also be a church of doing. If God is a doing God, then we also have to be doing people. Because if we're made in the image and likeness of him, we have to be doing people. So we're doing just like God did. We cannot get addicted to just attending the church. We've got to be addicted to going and being the church. You've got to do more than just come here. You've got to go ahead and do what the values of this church is, and that's serve not just the community, but serve the world. If you didn't know that was a part of City Church, you're missing one of the critical values. We can't just be coming because if we just come, we'll be like dead doorknobs wondering what's going on. And you got to see it this way. You are the answered prayer that somebody is praying right now. You are the answered prayer to what somebody is praying right now. You're not going to get to a certain age and realize, oh, wow, that's what God wanted me to do. 
When you're serving, when you're moving in the direction that God has planned for your life, when you're participating in God's plan for the earth to bring heaven to earth, that's when your purpose for being on the planet is revealed. He put his son here and delivered him not just for us, but for everyone. So doing is demonstrated by God. Everybody say doing is demonstrated by God. Number two, doing is serving others. Let's look at Hebrews 6 and 10 and read it together. One, two, and three, and it says... And labor of love, which what? In that what? And do what? And do minister. Minister to the saints and do minister. This word minister here is the Greek word diakono. Diakono. Everybody say diakono. Y'all want to see if y'all would do it, all right? Diakono means to be an attendant. See, see, minister is not uh, standing and talking through a microphone. Ministering is not uh, standing and singing. Ministering is not how I play. Ministering is being an attendant to the people. Look at the person next to you. You're supposed to be in a, look at them. No, look at them. I know you didn't want to look at them. Look at y'all. I ain't looking at you because I'm not attending you. No, this is where you're supposed to attend them. Attend, wait on, serve, and thus doing good is the same as serving. So when you see the word minister, it's the same word serving. He says it this way, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name in that you serve the saints and that you do serve them. It's continuous. It doesn't stop. God has an expectation that we're going to serve. So doing uh, is demonstrated by God, and then doing is serving others. The next thing we're going to see is that doing has benefits. Doing good has benefits. Everybody give God praise for benefits. If you like benefits, I like benefits. I don't know about y'all. I mean, I like benefits. I like discounts. I like benefits. You know, I like chicken. I like crab cakes. And if I can get a discount, I mean, I'm telling you, look at this. Doing good has benefits. Let's go to Galatians 6 chapter, verse 9 and 10. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint or lose heart. Now somebody give God praise right there. Come on. Give God. Woo! That's my, that, that's my scripture. That's my word there. We hear that all the time. Woo! Don't, don't faint. Don't faint while doing good because if you don't faint, then you're going to reap a reward. Come on. Somebody give God praise for reaping a reward if you don't faint. You're not, you're not fainting. Don't, don't be weary while doing good because if you don't get weary, if you don't faint, you don't lose heart, you're going to get your reward. Come on. Somebody give God praise, you're gonna get your reward. Y'all, y'all, you gotta get your reward. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You hear this all the time, you heard this all the time, but they don't read the other part. The other part is what's gonna get you the reward. The first part is what you hear all the time. That's the quote. But the balance of it is where you get your reward. So now I don't know if it's on the screen because I was about to drop something on y'all, but it looks like y'all got it good. So it says, therefore, what? Uh-huh. Whoa, stop, stop, stop. Y'all read way too well. Take a look at this. It says, therefore, as we have what, church? As we have what? As we have opportunity. Hmm. So it says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, so what is the therefore? It's therefore us understanding what the first part, how do I get this? Therefore, since you read this, therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, 
meaning that the kingdom of God cannot be on your calendar as we have opportunity. The kingdom of God is not, is not found in your convenience. The kingdom of God is not what you have left over. It's not your leftover time. The kingdom of God is as you have opportunity when it's presented to you. And this is not just the body of Christ at large because a lot of us get caught up and go, yeah, I prayed for him. In your car? They don't know you prayed for him. Who, did, who, have, who have you actually directly interacted with and prayed for? Who, who have you put your hands on? When it's time for us to, to have sign-ups to serve in an area of ministry, which area have you signed up in? Or is your area just, I'm going to make sure that this seat here is filled. I'm going to do my best to fill this seat right here. I'm the seat filler. They hire him for the Oscars. They got me for church. <laughs> he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. To who, y'all? To who, church? All. All. And then what does it say after that? Especially to those who are the household of faith. Be careful getting in conversations with church killers. Church people. I tell you, church people, I don't know. Listen, listen. You get mad with people at your job. You ain't quitting your job. You got upset with your principal at school. You didn't just, I'm leaving this school. I ain't never coming back. He says, as we have opportunity, especially to the household of faith. So God's saying, listen, make sure you take care of my house, especially there. If you're going to do something in any place at all, make sure that you're doing something in the household of faith. Because that's when, if you don't faint. Now, it's amazing that he says, especially in the household of faith, don't faint. <laughs> Somebody got that. Somebody just got Especially the household of faith. Don't faint because that's where you get your reward. Everybody say you got to do something. Everybody say do something. So number one is what, y'all? Demonstrated is doing by God. Do, doing is demonstrated by God. Number two, doing is serving others. Uh, number three, doing has good benefits. And, uh, and let me add this to that. Uh, so if this says that the reaping season will come upon those that serve, and especially those that serve other believers, then I have to understand very clearly here that I have to be doing. The, the, my impact statement is, if you don't want to miss your moment, you're going to have to, what, y'all, do something, right? So number four is just for you. You have to be doing. Say, I have to be doing. All right. I have, yeah, you have to be doing. All right. I'm going to get you working. Somebody say, who, me? No, you got to say it like Brown. Who, me? All right, I mean, you're going to put me on program, all right? You're going to put me on program? Who, me? All right, I'm going to get y'all. Don't worry about it. All right, so let's go, let's go James 1. Let's go back to 22, and we'll read to verse uh, 26. Uh, 22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful, a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This says that we cannot just be hearers because hearing builds faith. Faith comes by what, church? And hearing by what? The principle there is that whatever I listen to most, that's what I have the faith for. So if faith comes by hearing, the question that you must ask yourself is what are you listening to? What are you listening to and 
who are you listening to? And when you think about the who are you listening to, the voice that you hear more than anybody else is your voice because it's in your head. So if faith comes by hearing, you need to make sure that you're feeding yourself things that's going to help you do something, not stuff that's going to debilitate you and make you recluse or bring yourself back to not doing anything. You've got to make sure that it happens. If this is going to change, it will not change because Pastor Ray changed. It will not change because Pastor Wendy changes. It will not change because we get a facility or a building or the lights come up brighter. It will not change because of that reason. It will change because we here, those of us that are surrounding the vision that God has given the visionary, have decided that we are able to take this vision and carry it. How many in the room are excited about doing something to carry the vision that God has given the man of God? Good stuff. Good stuff. Doing something that would impact the lives of people in your personal worlds, your area of influence. Your personal world is your area of influence and in the world at large, starting with our city. Now, the Harvard uh, publication, the uh, Carnegie Mellon study, uh, showed in uh, 200 hours that this is what doing good or serving others produces. Number one, it produces health. Everybody say health. People who serve other people feel better. It's amazing how that happens, all right? Number two, it produces less stress. Anybody can use some less, less stress, all right? Less stress. Can I have less stress, all right? And anybody that lives in America, for whatever reason, there is stress. I'll never forget my wife and I, we were driving down, and we got off of a highway on an exit in a neighborhood, an area, and the stress that we felt, she said, made her want to cry. Stress is pervasive. Stress is a reason why in most of our households, and I say our households, we have pills to try to help us with stress. Stress is the reason why weight gain jumps on you because your adrenal glands get all out of whack and stuff is just going on with you. Stress is just beating people up. It's making your hair thin and fall out and giving you skylights like mine. Somebody's like, I, no, I ain't, no that's not, I ain't receiving it. I'm receiving it. <laughs> It's stress, less stress. When doing good, it, it helps you manage and lower your stress, lower it. Uh, number three, it gives you a deeper connection and community to, to others. When we share, when we work together, uh, there's nothing like the camaraderie we had on our team because everybody else, have, anybody like, like me, you've been on teams and, and somebody else come in on y'all fight and y'all fight them and go, oh, this we fighting, you know? Uh, that's kind of how it is. It creates that kind of camaraderie, that bonding together uh, of people when we do and work together, when we do something together. And the fourth thing is it causes us to be engaged. Uh, you're more aware. You're, you're more concerned about the things around you, and you are a carrier of the culture and the vision of what it is that you're around. If we're doing a life together when our, our life groups are small groups, if you're not in a group, you need to get in one. You need to find one. Because the context of discipleship doesn't happen on Sunday mornings. On Sunday mornings, you get encouraged, you get a great word. But it's in the context of small groups that discipleship takes place. That's where you grow. That's when you're releasing things that are happening. That's when something is going on in your life we're sharing. But you'll never have it if you never do something about it. Somebody shout, do something, do something. For City Church to carry out her core values, we will have to. According to the book written by Miles McPherson, now his book was called uh, Do Something, uh, make your life count. That was his book. But according to his book, we must have a pervasive hope. Everybody say pervasive hope. A perv We've got to have a hope on the inside of us that's bigger than the desires for self-gain. 
a pervasive hope. This hope has to go beyond me. It has to get outside of me. I have to have a hope to see more than just me and minds make it. And I'm not talking about minds, all right? So me, we, I have to have a pervasive hope, but let's define this because this pervasive hope is driving a desire to make sure that we create culture and community to make sure that we do something. McPherson defines it this way. He says, pervasive hope is this. Uh, for every way someone can be lost, we want to provide a practical way for them to be found in the very place, in the very place that they have ended up. For every way that someone Every person in every situation that they're in, that there is a pervasive hope on the inside, that there's no community that's too far for us to reach. There's no person that's, that's, that's too sinful for us to touch. That there's no situation or issue that, that is taboo for us. There, there's nothing that's happening in the after party that's destroying somebody who was at the party. Say that again? Yeah. There, there, there's nothing that's happening in the after party that's destroying somebody that was at the party. Because here's the problem. Too many people are talking about the people at the party in the after party. And we're destroying each other versus building each other up. And we're calling ourselves the body of Christ and we're missing the moment to have an opportunity to do good that God will remember it. I'm telling y'all this is a really big deal. Because if, if city church is going to have this pervasive hope, then we need to define, do something as this. It is a commitment to go above and beyond my original expectation, to love beyond my preference, and to serve beyond my convenience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If do something for city church is this. It's, it's, is it on the screen? Good. What does it say? On the count of three, read. What does it say? It is what? A commitment to go above and beyond my original expectation. All I wanted to do was go to church. All I want to do is hear Pastor Ray preach and prophesy and talk about the sons of Issachar. But, but it says I got to go beyond my original expectation. Uh, listen, I was, I, was, I was fine with giving the tithe, but now you're trying to give over and above the tithe. Listen, I'm, I'm going beyond my original expectation. All I want to do is have a husband, get me two kids, get two cars, and a garage. Child, that's all I was looking for. You got to go above and beyond your original expectation. All I was doing was going to Popeye's and getting a two-piece. Then they call me and say, ask them if they got a, a special. No, I was getting two pieces. That's all I wanted. I want to go above and beyond my original expectation to do what, y'all? Love beyond my preferences. If we could get out of ourselves just for a few minutes. To love beyond my preferences. The big issue with race, racism in America has absolutely nothing to do with people. It has everything to do with preferences. And when your preferences don't match my preferences, we tend to relegate it down to the basest thing called skin color. My skin color has absolutely nothing to do. It's an issue of our values, what you value versus what I value. Because when we all value the same thing, then we're all one family. And if we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died for you and me, the same blood that saved Jesus for the white man is the same blood that saved Jesus for the black man. It's the same blood that saved Jesus for the Iranian man. It's the same blood that saved Jesus for the Englishman. It's the same blood that saved him for the guy in Alaska, just like you say the guy in the hood down in Miami, Florida. I'm telling you, it's about getting beyond your preferences and loving with the love of God and then it says this to do what to not just to love beyond my preferences but also to serve beyond my convenience 
It's not convenient for me. I got a lot of stuff going on. I got school. I got to make sure I get to practice. I got to make sure that I study. I got seven teachers wanting to get different assignments from me today. It's spring break, and they want to give me all this work before. I'm trying to relax. I just got home. I've been working all day. Shoot, I've been up here cooking, making sure that when you get home, something. listen, when you get home, I'm putting my feet up. I'll never forget this, y'all. I'm, I'm going to share this with you. My, my daughter's here today. I love my daughter. I love my daughter. I love my, whew, I love my daughter. But boy, when my daughter was little, <sighs> situations happen. And, uh, and so I happen to not be working in this situation. And so my wife would get up and go to work. No, 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 no. no. I, I was working. I was working. I was working. But I was working the night shift. <laughs> I was working the graveyard shift. I got off at 6 o'clock in the morning, and she was working the morning shift. She was going to work for uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. And so I would get off, and I would come home. And my daughter, I love my daughter, my daughter. I love my daughter. My daughter's here today. I love my daughter. But there was a season when I just didn't like my little daughter. <laughs> didn't like it at all because for whatever reason, my wife would get up and go to work, and she decided she wanted to get up. I'm just going to sleep. She wanted to get up and she wanted some cereal. She would come climb up in the bed, tap me on my face. Daddy, daddy, I, I cereal, cereal. She didn't even say I wanted cereal. She just knew that was the magic word. She was a, basically, she was a young cereal killer. And so <laughs> I would have to get up and fix her cereal. But I, I had to get beyond my convenience because my daughter needed me. In that time, I couldn't miss the moment. I had missed moments before, but I wasn't missing this moment. I was going to be father of the year. You understand? I was going to get off a graveyard shift. I was going to get those 30 minutes, that nap. I was going to walk my wife downstairs to her car. I was going to come back up and try to get another 30 minutes. And when Kendall got up and tapped me and said, cereal, I knew that was time for me to get out of my, my convenience and go into the, the kitchen and fix some cereal, pour it on milk and sit her down there and go to sleep while she ate. Anyway, so I had to. I had to do something. Everybody say, do something. If you don't want to miss your moment, you're going to have to do something. And, and what would it look like if we all really did something? What would it look like uh, to be a part of someone making a decision that came to an altar? Well, what would it look like if you, if you, if you love beyond your preference and, and, and you serve beyond your convenience and, and you created an atmosphere that the homicidal person decided that not today, I'm not committing homicide today. You see, most of us focus on, on the suicide person, but there are people that are committing home. They're, they're in their mind saying, listen, somebody going down today. I can't take it anymore. The, the biggest thing that we're facing that we just cannot believe is how somebody could just walk up in a place and shoot and kill everybody. But we haven't created an altar beyond our convenience so that person can change their mind in the moment. Are you getting what I'm saying? What, 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 what if we were to be the person to encourage a young person to turn it around? Who was it there that was talking to Derek Golden in high school? It was Mr. Colquitt that told me when I was, I was, listen, I was in the middle of the hallway and I was cussing up a storm. And let me tell you something, I was a good cussologist. I had skill. I, I, had, I had a unique set of talents that they would find you and you would hear me. <laughs> and Mr. Colquitt came out and he said, come here, young man. And he took me in his classroom and he says, listen. We fought way too hard for you to act the way you're acting. For me to even have this job was a really big deal. And so before I let you go out there and embarrass the work that we put in, I need you to think for a moment of who you are. And from that moment on, I thought not just of who I was, but who I represented. 
How many of us don't realize that we represent the king everywhere we go? If you can get beyond your preferences and serve beyond your convenience, you could do something that could change the world. If you got that, give God praise for it. Come on, give him praise for it. So to be a part of it, to get in on it, you're like, I, I want to get in on this. Anybody in the room want to get on being a part of doing something? Raise your hand. Let me see if you want. Okay, I've got enough people. i got enough people for the other eight of y'all. Shoot. Oh, mm-hmm. So, all right. So to be a part of it, number one, everybody say number one. Number one, I want you to seek out two new people to bring to church next week. Seek out right right now. We're going. This is this is work. We're in classroom setting. This is theater. Let's get it. All right. So write down two new people, names of two people that you're going to bring to church. It doesn't matter if they're going to church. It doesn't matter if they live down south, up north. It doesn't matter if you got to get them to come from out of town. You tell them I'm going to make because next week when Pastor Ray puts his stands up on this platform, I want him to see that you have decided to do something. If we're going to do something, you have to go beyond your original commitment, above and beyond. Above and beyond. So we're going to seek out two new people. And I'm going to give you, uh, for those of you that are going to find new people that you never met before, there's a SALT method. It says start a conversation, ask questions, listen to the answers. Listen, listen, Linda, listen. And then tell your testimony, all right? So we're going to start a conversation, ask questions, listen, and then tell your testimony. Let's blow the doors off this place. Let's, let's make Pastor Ray have to be surprised when he walks in, all right? Uh, we had a dog, and her name was Honey. And, uh, and the reason why I say was Honey is because Honey, Honey went on to be with the Lord, the dog Lord. We'll argue that theology later on. But uh, Honey went on to, Honey died, all right? So... And, uh, and it, it, it would hurt, it would hurt that, that Honey died, but I'm telling you, Honey was a house dog. And if it was too hot outside, Honey would knock on the door and go, uh-uh, I, no, I want to come inside. we like, Honey, don't you want to go outside? No, it's too hot out here. Uh, honey was kind of bougie, uh, in fact, and, uh, and she was a, a Labrador retriever. She was a medium-build dog. She had a lot of excitement. And, but she was a dog. You know, she was, you can't get around it. She was a dog, had a tail and ears and everything. You know, did the, the cute little face. And, and we loved Honey, and, and periodically Honey would get into uh, what we would call drunk mode. You know, drunk mode, anybody got a dog, you know, all of a sudden they get excited and just run everywhere. I mean, there's no ball, there's nobody playing, they just, we call it drunk mode at our house, you know. <laughs> And so periodically we would take Honey outside and, and th- there was something that would happen that was just the same like drunk mode. Honey would be standing at attention and her tail would be pointed, her ears would be up, and she would be still. We knew that she was watching something. And then when she would move the leg real slow, we knew she was getting ready to take off. And boy, the rabbit would move because it was a rabbit. That honey started running. she get to the corner close. That rabbit cut on her so hard she stumbled. And keep on going. Now listen, honey was not going to eat the rabbit. She wasn't going to ever catch the rabbit. But she was happiest, the most happiest when she was chasing after rabbits. I mean, that was honey and we loved her. But I want you to know that that it's the same way when you see someone come to the family of Christ. All of heaven is happy when somebody says yes to Jesus. So while you're seeking out two new people, just like honey is happiest when she's chasing rabbits, heaven is happiest 
changes when we're bringing others to the kingdom of God. I got anybody that want to make heaven happy by bringing somebody to the kingdom of God. But the next, the next thing that we want you to do is we want you to serve. Everybody say serve, serve. For the next 90 days, if you do not have an area of ministry that you're serving in, I want you to find somebody doing something that you know you can do, and I want you to join with them and serve for 90 days. I'm telling you that when you're serving in the area of your giftedness, that maximizes what you get out of it. But if you serve, just serving for 90 days, some area, some place, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your times that you come to church, whether you're first and third or, or you're second and fourth. I wish really some of y'all would be like at least you know three Sundays a month. But anyway, it doesn't matter just as long as you serve in an area for 90 days. Somebody say serve in an area for 90 days. Galatians 6 9, it says, remember we talked about it, don't get weary while doing good, let's do good, especially to those of the household of faith. Well, James 4 and 17 says, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Mm. So to know that serving, especially in the household of faith, I showed you that that word minister, I showed you that doing good is serving. If that's true, then those of us that know that there are areas that we can serve in, but we're not serving, we're missing the mark. Because sin is not behavior. Sin is missing the mark. To many of us, we relegate sin to a behavior that we can label and we overlook missing marks that God has set. Ooh, y'all ain't praise. Come on, praise God. Come on, praise him. You're going to get God praise on that one right there. Because you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, oh, is that sin? I could I could at least be a greeter. You know, listen, I, uh, Pastor Ray, uh, uh, whoever the greeter leads greeters, I'm going to be a greeter next week for 90 days. I'm going to get my sin count down. Look at your neighbor and neighbor, you need to get your sin count down. Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I tell you other because they didn't, they they're like they still thinking about it. Tell them you need to get your sin count down. Get your sin count down. All right, uh, anybody ever go to a restaurant before? I mean, uh, anybody go to a restaurant? Just by raising hands, restaurant, restaurant. We go to restaurants all the time. We enjoy restaurants. We do. Uh, we we enjoy restaurants because uh, the the waits, the staff is good, or uh, the food is good. Uh, I particularly go to Hook Line, and uh, when I go to Hook Line, you know, I'm gonna get those crab cakes. It's just something about those crab cakes. They say they're from Florida, but I live in Florida. Those are not Florida crab cakes. I don't know where they came. From from, uh, but they're great crab cakes, all right? And uh, and one thing I, I've, I've discovered is that um, they have uh, this thing where uh, you're sitting there and the wait will come, waiter will come to you, and they will pour water uh, in your glass while you're sitting there and eating. And that's pretty cool. Water just shows up in my glass. I like that. That's good. And so uh, you get your food, and you're eating your food, and, and you're enjoying uh, fellowship, and you're talking, and, and things are going good. Uh, Pastor Greg, I'm talking to you. We're enjoying the food. And, and the waiter, the, the water don't get in the glass as fast as it did when I first got here. And then they have audacity to come over to you and, and they go, okay, is there anything else we can do for you? No, we're we okay. Are you going to give me some more water? Oh, okay, I'll, I'll bring. It's like they have to go real far to come get the water, all right? And, and so you're like, well, what's going on? Because the objective of a restaurant is not for you to come and sit like you're at a lounge. The objective for the restaurant is that you come and that you get what you need, and then you get up out of that chair so that somebody else can come and sit where you were sitting. Because if you stay there, we're not making any money as a restaurant. So that's what somebody said. Is that what that's about? Yeah, they're trying to get you out. Some of y'all need to not stay so long at some of these restaurants, all right? 
Well, it's the same way. The chair that you're sitting in now, somebody that needs to get closer to Jesus Christ needs to sit in the chair that you're sitting in and get what you got. If it was good to you, the message that he preached, you need to bring somebody else in to sit in the same chair and tell them, this was good to me, and I know it'll be good to you. But too many of us are still hanging around in the same chair, and the kingdom of God is not expanding. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. You got to do something. Tell them you got to do something. You got to do something. Matter of fact, uh, there was an old song by Ludacris that I think waiters ought to say, you know, when they come by you and you're still there, move, get out. You know. <laughs> All right. Number one is we want to seek out two new people. Number two, we want to serve in the area of ministry. And then number three, we want to sacrifice for an impromptu offering. If I'm going to do something, I go above and beyond. We want to sacrifice for an impromptu offering. Prior to Easter, we want to sacrifice. Not, 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 not because Pastor Ray has designed. It's not because he's probably going to be like, I can't believe you did that. But I'm doing it because I believe that a healthy church is a giving church. I believe that impromptu giving, when I give, when it's unexpected. How many of y'all love to get unexpected gifts? Shoot. When I get those jockey discounts in the mail, oh, man, I'm headed over to the outlet and get me some jockey. You understand? Y'all, y'all, ladies, y'all, y'all ever get stuff in the mail? They give y'all stuff to try out. You know, you're walking into the, the, the Sephora, and they got all these different samples. Some of y'all got, you know, your, your collection is samples. You need to fix that. Buy one of those. Anyway. <laughs> An impromptu. Let's let's put our hearts into seeing people have their lives changed and live out this audacious faith to love people and to serve our world. And you are a big part of it. Matthew 6 and 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Psalms 41, 1 to 2 says, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. How many, how many of you knew that your giving may not come back to you the way that you gave it, but in your time of trouble, your giving is working for you? I dare you to give God praise for that, that my giving is working for me. He says, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will, and he will be blessed on the earth. You ain't got to get to heaven. You can be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet uh, going to skipping night and taking off and going to all the other nights, while we were yet sinners, while we were making mistakes and we didn't know what mistakes we were making, while we were doing things that in the world seemed okay and permissible, but we put it up against righteousness and find out that it's a far cry from what God wanted. While we were yet in sin, while we, were, we, were, we could have served, but we weren't serving. While we were yet in sin. Listen, we don't even realize that when we bring fruit and fruit remains, it puts you in asking status with God. It's a powerful thing that God has for us. And here it is. On next week, I'm saying, out of the blue, I want you to bring an offering that you did not expect to do. Above and beyond. Ne- next week, next week. Everybody say, next week. No, 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 y'all didn't say that? No, 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 he did good up until that. I like the dog thing and the seat thing. Listen, I got saved in a little building on Haymarket Road in Balk Springs, Texas. Here, here, I, here I was in, in this, it was a house that they had, they had tore the walls out and, and raised the roof in. I mean, they had, they had bathrooms, but the septic tank was just outside where the garage was, and, and that's how we entered into the building. 
When, 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 the war, when it would back up, I mean, the smell would come all the way into the building. And, and here, here I was in this place. We, the, the aisles were two feet wide because they wanted to put pews in. And, and so people would have to walk sideways to get out of the church. This, this little building, and, and listen, uh, when they first got it, the, the walls weren't taken out, and, and the floor wasn't laid, and, and the roof wasn't raised. I, I wasn't there when they raised an offering to raise the roof. I wasn't there when they raised the money to put the floors in. I wasn't even there when, when the brothers went and, and they rented a truck and got pews from a church that was in Tyler, Texas, and brought them to Dallas, Texas, and put them in this little house. I don't know what drove the people to do that. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine because when I got there, all of that stuff was already there. I had nothing to do with any of it. Only to find out that all of those people, if they had known that there was a broken guy, Derek Golden, that was coming to that church, a 10-time confessed adulterer that wanted to get his life right, a guy that had his car repossessed as he was entering into the church. Two kids and trying to make it happen. No job for two years, and, and here I was coming to this church, and, and the pastor didn't know who I was, but yet he was preaching as if he knew me that day. See, I, I wasn't there, but I thank God that somebody decided to go above and beyond just their tithe and offering. And, and I'm glad that somebody decided to, to inconvenience themselves and drive two hours and come back and, and install pews in a house church that had a septic tank where I said yes to Jesus. And now I stand 25 years later. <laughs> proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing people come to know the Lord and, and telling my story about how I missed one moment, but I won't miss another one. Do you understand? If I'm going to do something in this earth, it's so that God can get the glory, but I cannot just talk about it. I've got to do something. Is anybody in the room besides me know that you got to do something and the kingdom of God will be impacted by it? We can't just sit here anymore. We can't just come here and say it's okay. We have to decide that God is greater than anything and we want to be a part of it. I got anybody just want to get in on what God is doing, just giving praise in the room right now. You got to do something today. You got to do something today. Thank God for it and I promise you, I promise you, <laughs> we want to seek, we want to serve, we want to sacrifice. <sighs> And you're not alone. <laughs> Moses was sent to deliver the children of Israel. God was counting on him. But he had to do something. Esther was chosen for such a time as this. God was counting on her. But she had to do something. Jonah had to go down to Nineveh and, and talk to the people and didn't want to go. But God was counting on him, so he had to do something. And, and Peter, Peter was, Peter was, Peter was like me. He, he'd hurt you. He was cussing and he was a cutting, but, but God was counting on him and Peter had to do something. Paul, Paul was a, a murderer of the people that were perpetuating the gospel in his season and his time, but God was counting on him, but Paul couldn't just wait for God to count on him. He had to do something. And then Jesus, Jesus was sent by God. God was counting on him to be the savior of the world. 
Jesus had a will in the matter, and, and at one point, Jesus, he reconsidered and repented at the same time. He said, is there any way that you can pass this cup from me? And at the same time, he said, nevertheless, not my will. God was counting on him. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus in, and God was counting on him, but Jesus couldn't just sit there and let God count on him. Jesus had to do something. City Church, I'm telling you right now that God has sent you here to do something here, right here in Plano, Texas. God is counting on you to be the answered prayer for an area. God is counting on you to share the gospel. God is counting on you, but it won't happen if God is counting on you. It will happen if you decide to do something. If you're going to do something different than what you've been doing, give God praise and go, I got to do something today. I'm going to a different restaurant today. I'm changing my mind today. I'm not saying the same today. I got to do something because God is counting on me. He's counting on me to seek. He's counting on me to serve. He's counting on me to sow. I give God the glory and the praise because what I do today, somebody's life is going to be changed tomorrow. I don't know where Derek is. I don't know where your life is going to be. I don't care, but I got to do something. Glory to God. Glory to God. I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. I gotta get out of my comfort zone. I gotta get out of my convenience. I gotta do something. The world won't change until you do something. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. God is counting when you know God is counting on you. If you don't want to miss your moment, heads bowed, eyes are closed. If you don't want to miss your moment, this is a history-making moment. We can, we can impact this thing, our area, and fulfill the call on this church to love people, to love God, to serve our community to serve our world, to go above and beyond our original expectation. I know some of you are in here, you say, I thought it would have been changed by now. I thought my life would be different by now. I thought my marriage would be different by now. I, I, I felt like things would, would have turned around by now. At least he would have heard somebody. At least she would talk to somebody. And if my kids were just a little better, I just knew things could be different. Beloved, I'm telling you, you got to do something. And you got to do something beyond prayer. Because if prayer was the only thing you had to do, there would have never been slavery and murder and heinous crime. Never, because the will of man is not controlled by God. <laughs> but prayer or faith without works is dead. So I was standing to our feet. Feats. <laughs> As we're standing to our feet. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just take in this moment. To do something for city churches, to have a commitment to go above and beyond my original expectation, 
to love beyond my preference and serve beyond my convenience. If you're here today and you're saying, listen, I want to be a part of the family of God. I, I want to do my part. I want to do something. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And, and you're here today and you're saying, listen, the message impacted me in, in such a way that I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. Nobody's watching. Nobody's moving. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you, I just want to know who I'm praying for because I want to pray for you.